0: Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Thursday, November 19th, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen alongside Shane Caldwell. And this is the week 11 main slate show where we go game by game. And Shane, I'm excited about this because this is a challenging slate. We don't have a bunch of totals over 50 where we're expecting some big shootouts. So we're going to have to dig in and find an edge.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be looking at a lot of back and forth. There's a couple like blowout games, but there's not very many teams tote uh, uh, over-unders over 50 points. And even the ones that are over 50 are kind of, you know, tough matchups, you know. Uh, so, yeah, there's some one-sided affairs. There's there's a few close games, but, uh, yeah, no, nothing super obvious in terms of stacks here. Um, so that does make it more interesting, really d- digging into the matchups into
0: the research here. Absolutely, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, before we get into those matchups, in case you missed the big announcement last night on our Thursday night uh, primetime game preview, uh, Arizona-Seattle, uh, we rolled out our best promotion yet at DFS Coach Talk. So we got to mention it again here. It's just terrific. So here, what it is is membership with us all winter all the way until April 1st. So you get the rest of the NFL season. You get the first half of NBA you get PGA every week and you get a full match at betus.com.pa if you can make your first deposit there. So if you go make your first deposit there for 149 and use the promo code COACHTALK, all one word, you're going to be members with us all winter and get all of our lineups. So I'm just absolutely pumped about that. Um, and I, I can't wait to share that with, with folks. Uh, people are already jumping in.
1: Yeah, it's hundred and forty nine dollar value that you're that you're getting for free there. So, I mean, there'll be a lot of people that just might sign up for that just and bet the hundred forty nine. But you might as well just put it into the pet US and you know use some use some of our good uh, research to to win some money there and then uh, get the free membership to you know roll that roll some of that parlay that right into your DFS lineups.
0: You know exactly. <laughs> That's the way to do it. So. Absolutely. So again, with membership, what is it that you get with us? Well, you get full lineups on all these slates. Because we can give out a full lineup on FanDuel, so we give out a cash lineup, and then two GPP lineups for the main slate, and then on DraftKings we give out the coach's clipboard with highlighted plays and pivots, and we do that for every sport on every slate. So, uh, jump in with us there. Take advantage of that amazing offer. All right, Shane. So uh, as we get into these game by game breakdowns here, and we look at the lines at BetUS.com.pa, as you mentioned. Lot, not a bunch of high totals. Right now we have two games over 50. And one of them here is the first one on the board. It's Atlanta against New Orleans. New Orleans, the four and a half point favorite at home over under set right now at 50 and a half. And oh, by the way, folks might be wondering how is it determine the order of games that we talk about each week? Well, it's based on if you just go to BetUS and look at the lines, how they have the games in order. So that's how we do it. Just wanted to share that for a little inside information. And it it got me to chuckle a little bit because as I started to look at this first game, the first player I wrote down as a guy to potentially consider is Winston. And that kind of scared me. I don't want to go into a week and have that guy be the first guy I'm looking at. But he is in the first game and he is in an amazing matchup because Atlanta, of course, is number 31 against the pass. And Drew Brees is out with that. With that tough injury so we've got Jameis Winston here in a prime matchup so what do you do with him yeah I mean
1: I think he's he's in play here he, he's in the player pool because you know you've seen his offseason work like how hard the guy worked he seems like he's really focused on a mission and then you pair that with great coaching and a great scheme and all these weapons around him you know I think he's in a good situation obviously at this point Point of their careers that he has a lot stronger arm than like Drew Brees. You know, uh, you know, he's fairly accurate. He has some accuracy issues, but in terms of having a deep threat, you know, hitting guys deep down the field like your Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas's and those type of guys, and still having Kamara to check down to and just the weapons that he has here, you know, this should be a good situation. Uh, of course. You don't know what Sean Payton's going to do once they get in the red zone. He might throw his buddy in there, Taysom Hill, you know. (laughs) And you you, see, you don't know how much they're going to run Wildcat versus that. But I think he should be the primary uh, quarterback and get a good run. He's still reasonably priced. And even if he does throw some interceptions, which he's known to do, I don't think it matters. He's still going to get production here. Um, And, of course, he's going up against Atlanta, which is one of the best matchups, uh, you know, of any team, uh, any matchup here for quarterbacks. So... So he should be in a, in a good spot to succeed here. Atlanta doesn't have that much really of a pass rush. And like I said, James Winston, everything that I've seen in terms of his preparation, he seems like he's matured more. And I think this environment and this coaching staff and, and being with Drew Brees, he's probably learned a lot, which made him a better quarterback, because we all know he has a, he's a great arm talent, you know, and he's very, very talented there. So I think James Winston is fully in play here. Um, he may not be my top guy, but he's probably up there in the mix in the top five in terms of quarterbacks to consider this this
0: week. Yeah, he is for me, too, for, for all the reasons you mentioned. And he's a good price. And, of course, it's DFS, so we can put up with a uh, an interception or two. And if it leads to more Atlanta points, well, he's just going to have to throw it more when they get it back. So yep. I do like him here. And I'll pair him up with Michael Thomas. You know, it's a bit of a, a risky situation because they don't have a lot of history with each other. Thomas still working his way back from injury. He is trending up in terms of targets. So this will be a perfect time for him to really click. And then I want to mention Jared Cook. He has the number one tight end matchup on paper. He's had a couple down games here recently, but um, perfect spot for him to bounce back as well. Now, on the the other side here, who do you like to bring it back with? I'm kind of looking at Julio and maybe Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst is quietly, finally kind of getting in a groove. The last three games, six, five, and seven catches, and he has the number six tight end. So th- those are the two guys I'm looking at on the Atlanta side. How about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cheap tight ends so, uh, that are good on this slate, but Hayden Hurst is one of them. Yeah, you like his athleticism, run after the catch ability, um, and he, he, can, he can definitely uh, hit hit you down the seam with some of those uh, deep shots in terms of you know, 20, 30 yards for a tight end. So he's a playmaker, and I think he's one of the red zone targets as well. New Orleans not great against the, the tight end this year. So Hurst is in play. Uh, Julio Jones is in play. It'd be interesting to see him and Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore usually does pretty good against these big, like athletic uh, wide receivers, but Lattimore hasn't been that great this year. Um, You know, he's playing better than I think he did at the beginning of the year, but he's still not great. So Julio Jones can definitely beat him in Atlanta. If they want to stay competitive in this game are going to need Julio Jones. And then we have to see what happens with uh, Ridley, whether he's going to come back or not. You know, he's, he's been questionable that foot injury, and he might play, but I don't don't know that I would necessarily target him in the first game back with the foot injury here. So, um, yeah, and it's really hard to trust the running backs, of course, because New Orleans is pretty good at shutting running backs down. So, yeah, you can look to the passing game for Atlanta here, Um, and it's nice if you want to stack New Orleans to bring back like a Julio Jones or a Hayden Hurst on the other side. So, yeah, it's a pretty good situation for game environment. One guy I want to mention that I think is a little sneaky here for New Orleans is uh, Emmanuel Sanders at a reasonable price there. Um, I think that he could benefit from the more downfield passing, as he's pretty good at finding those deep, deep spots in the zone coverage. He's good at beating guys. One, that's Atlanta secondary is bad, so I could see Emmanuel Sanders getting open and maybe actually taking a couple deep shots with Emmanuel Sanders. Um, as Michael Thomas isn't really like a deep shot type guy. He's more of a beat you underneath with strength. So I can see Jameis Winston and Emmanuel Sanders having a good connection, where Drew Brees, it's been kind of on and off in terms of that connection. Um, so that's a, that's something that could be sneaky in terms of a big upside wide receiver play to stack with Jameis Winston.
0: Now, speaking of sneaky, we got to talk about Taysom Hill here because he's in a u- unique situation on, on uh, FanDuel. You want to touch on that?
1: Yeah, I mean he's he's uh, listed still as a tight end on Fanduel, and a lot of people are talking about this in the fantasy industry. You know, some people are like think it's great, some people are mad about it. But the bottom line is, it's most likely because Jameis Winston, this is his first start, probably they could definitely rotate Taysom Hill in there more often in the Wildcat. And when you got a tight end that's priced at minimal price at forty five hundred, you can certainly just punt. Taysom Hill on FanDuel at 4,500, and he's a triple threat because he can catch balls, he can run the ball, and he can pass the ball, and he'll probably end up doing all three in this game. So if you feel like he's going to get a decent amount of snaps and they're going to rotate him in, I like how they bring him in in the red zone in those different packages. So for that for that reason, you can play him at tight end on FanDuel, and, you know, he doesn't take much, to, and if he ends up scoring a touchdown, you know, he's going to be like a slate breaker if he ends up, you know, uh, getting a, a touchdown and, and some decent production
0: here. Seriously, you might never get a better triple threat at tight end, like you said, than Taysom Hill this week. So. Yeah, you don't usually get a tight, tight end, throw, <laughs> but he might do it. He might. Excellent <laughs> yeah. stuff. All right, game two here, Shane. We've got the Patriots traveling to play the Texans. Patriots coming off that impressive win against Baltimore. They are two point favorites on the road over under here at 49, so just under 50. And on the Patriots' side, we've got Damian Harris in an awesome spot here, Texans number 32 against the run in terms of yardage per game allowed. The only uh, asterisk here is Sonny Michel is trending on coming back. He's still questionable, and we don't know if he's activated, if he'll get action or not to take away from Harris. But, but man, Harris looked good against Baltimore. Would you consider uh, putting him back in your lineup here on the main slate?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's in play even if uh, Sony Michelle comes back. I don't. I don't think. I don't trust uh, Sony Michelle. I don't think the Patriots do either. Really. So uh, definitely, I'm impressed with the New England offensive line. You know, they got some young guys and some veterans, and just their their ability to create space for these running backs and, and dominate the line of scrimmage is really impressive. So that's the strength of the team is in the trenches there, at least on the offensive side. Uh, so I like that, and I like uh, you know. Damian Harris is, is a strong back. He's really good in between the tackles. He has burst. He can break tackles. So, yeah, he's a, he's in a good spot, and this, this would seem like they are favorites on the road. That would seem like the best game plan for them. Um, I know Houston is getting uh, Bradley Roby back, so a slight improvement for their pass defense, which means he's still continuing to attack their weakness, which is the, uh, you know, run defense here. So, uh, when you combine a bad run defense and a really good run blocking offensive line, this is a bad matchup for Houston in terms of that. So that's that's the way they're going to get this win, and then they mix in the occasional pass. So I can see Cam Newton definitely getting some rushing yards here as well. Um, so you just you just got to hope that Damien Harris gets the rushing touchdown instead of Cam Newton because that's the only thing that always happens. You know, is Cam Newton so good at those rushes inside the five yard line? Uh, but yeah, Damien Harris definitely I think is a, is a good play here. Um, and you could play Cam Newton because I think he could. They could still run and, of course, pass against Houston if uh, Houston is good enough. I think on offense to score on New England because that New England defense isn't a shutdown defense. So that could create a game environment where Cam has to pass, and he's getting pretty good rapport with, you know, uh, Myers and you know Bird and those guys. So he could pass a little bit get some production, and get, like, a rushing touchdown like he's been doing, and Cam could get there as well. Um, I think you could look at, like, Demir Bird as, like, a cheap option. If he's on, like, Vernon Hargraves most of the game, he's super cheap, uh, and he might have a breakout game where it looks like Jacoby Myers is going to be mostly on uh, the guy I just mentioned there, Bradley Roby, when he comes back. It looks like Roby might shadow him as Jacoby Myers looks like the stud, stud wide receiver now all of a sudden for New yes. England. And then on the Houston side, I don't think I'm going to get to a lot of Deshaun Watson just because I think New England is good enough in their coverage to limit his upside. I think he's going to have a decent game, but I don't think he's having a ceiling game. But I do like some of these guys like Will Fuller. I think Will Fuller can beat them deep here. Um, they don't have much of a pass rush, so I can see them connecting on a couple big plays. So Will Fuller, fairly expensive, but I think at home when he's healthy, he's uh, he plays really well. If they are underdogs, if they do get down, they're going to take some deep shots with Will Fuller. So he's one of the guys that I do like here. In terms of the matchup, it looks like he'll, he'll be mostly on McCourty, uh, which is one of the better matchups uh, compared to, what is it, J.C. Jackson's the other guy who's been really good this year, um, who will mostly be on Brandon Cook. So I'm just looking at the matchups, and I think Will Fuller could have a blow-up game, and you'll
0: probably get him at lower ownership because people are going to worry about that New England defense, that matchup. Yeah, I like Will Fuller here. He's my favorite Texan option. And, you know, we saw what the Jets did against the Patriots with the deep passes, very successful with Flacco. And then we saw Baltimore try to match it in the rain with those deep shots to Hollywood Brown. They just didn't connect. They took two deep shots with him. They targeted him in the end zone, didn't connect. Uh, But I think Houston will try the same thing with Fuller. So there's the guy to look at for me on that side. And then on the Patriots, I like your breakdown overall. And I'll just add with Harris that I, you know, I don't he's not my favorite runner. You know, he's no Barry Sanders, but I do like how he runs. He runs really hard. He's trying to get every yard he can on every carry, and I think that's what's earned the respect of Belichick. and that's why he'll he'll continue to get the opportunity to to be the the lead carrier. Um, so um, yeah, we're on the same page there. Let's transition to game number three, which is one of those potential blowouts on paper that you mentioned. It's the Steelers as 10-point favorites in Jacksonville, over-under is 46.5 on BetUS. So low team total for the Jags. The Steelers' defense is in play for me. Uh, but you just wonder, you know, what What will the Jags be able to do? How much will they push Pittsburgh's offense? Uh, but w- what are your thoughts on the Pittsburgh side here? I mean,
1: if you're stacking Pittsburgh, obviously you can look at Big Big Ben and you can really stack him with any of his wide receivers. I mean, particularly Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson continue to be priced low in the industry and it looks like an excellent matchup for them. I mean, what you got to hope is that the Steelers are like last week, you know, they were in a kind of a division rival game against Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals. They just kept passing it in the second half and just poured right. it on. And they said, we're just going to blow this team out because we don't like Cincinnati. <laughs> so I'm hoping they have that same attitude towards Jacksonville here that they'll just keep passing. But I'm not quite sure if, it, if they're going to run the score up as much. Um, and uh, but, yeah, I mean. Steelers are uh, definitely in a good in a good spot here I mean they are on the road uh, at Jacksonville but yeah they're, they're definitely looking to blow this team out um, I don't think they're going to overlook it like they did against the Cowboys overlook the team and end up you know getting into a, a rough a battle here so I think you could certainly stack the, the Pittsburgh side the only work Concern is in the second half will they keep pouring it on, and you really it's really hard to trust your DJ Sharks and your some of these Jacksonville guys. You know James Robinson's popped up in the injury report. He'll probably play, but obviously against this run defense, it's hard to trust him. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean DJ Chark is the only guy that I might look at, but the problem is are they really going to have time with this pass rush to hit DJ Chark with a with a deep shot, which is probably not. It, you know, but you never know. I mean, they might get some desperation heaves down the down the field in the fourth quarter. But pretty much you got to love Big Ben, Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson in particular, and then obviously the Pittsburgh defense. Those are the main guys that should be pretty highly owned and it looked like in a great, in a great spot here. And uh, yeah, the way big Ben's doing, doing, I mean, Jacksonville doesn't have a much of a pass rush and their secondary is not great either. So it looks like a good spot for the Pittsburgh offense here. And then in terms of James Conner. I, I'm kind of just taking a wait-and-see approach. I'm, I mean, I think he, most people are off him right now in the fantasy industry. He hasn't looked good, even in great matchups like this. So I don't see – I mean, he might have a little more yards, but he just doesn't seem to be getting much production. So I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe they're saving him for the playoffs since they're undefeated, you know.
0: Yeah, He, you know, he doesn't look to have quite as much burst, and he hasn't gotten quite as much volume. And so I, I am concerned about him as well. Plus, the Steelers are going to play on Thanksgiving. So why would you run – Somebody like Connor into the ground with 20 plus carries, especially if you're winning easily in the second half. I mean, to me, it could be a GPP game for Benny Snell. Uh, they could get him in the mix here. The problem is that you know Pittsburgh's not one of those run by committee type teams. I and mean, Tomlin likes to feature one back, so it's just one of those tweener games for me, where it is really hard to evaluate uh, how they're going to how they're going to approach it with uh, the game coming up on Thursday. So. For me, I think... Yeah, go ahead.
1: Go ahead. I was just thinking, like, as you say that, because I'm already worried about a blowout, and I'm worried about in the second half is the passing game, are they going to get much passing volume? If you think about it, if if they do get up, let's say, by, like, 20 points, which is a likely scenario here, uh, then do they actually, like... Take Claypool and like Deontay Johnson out of the game, like like have them run less routes and just run the ball with like a backup like Benny Snell or something. That's right. so to your point. I think that you know because they have to. Quick turnaround on Thanksgiving, and that's a huge game on Thanksgiving against Baltimore, a big division rival. They could load manage some of these guys, you know, and and even in the even in the passing game. So that's where it does make you a little nervous. Here is they're not going to have to pass probably in the second half. I mean, their defense might score, you know, some points. Really, they they might score more than some of these offensive guys. So so that's what that's what I'm looking at. When when you say that, I'm thinking about okay, is this passing game even going to take a step back? Not just James Conner in the second half. Pass.
0: That's the one challenge with these matchups and there we have a couple of them where a team is likely to be dominant and they can beat them with the run or the pass. So if you're playing one lineup, you really just have to pick and choose uh, and take your best shot or you can just play the defense, which I might do here. I might play the Steelers defense a bunch and stay away from some of these position players and look to guys in other strong matchups later in the slate. So let's transition to game number 4. Interesting battle here. We've got the Titans against the Ravens. Ravens are six point home favorites over under 48 and a half. Ravens coming off that tough loss against the Patriots. And they're in that same situation as the Steelers with the game coming up on Thursday. And then on the flip side, we've got the Titans coming in with a little bit of a mini buy because they played on that Thursday night game against Indianapolis. So here's my question for you on this game. It's Derek Henry. Now, uh, you know, we 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 always respect the Ravens' run defense here, but we saw what the Patriots did to them last week, and with a few extra days of rest for Henry, I kind of like him as a pay-up GPP option here. So, I, I I'd like to get him in some lineups. But what do you think? I mean, the the good news
1: for for Tennessee is uh, in terms of Henry's output, is he he's going to get a ton of carries because. You're not going to be able to pass on Baltimore a ton. They have a pretty good pass rush and obviously excellent secondary. So you're not going to be able to just pick them apart there. So you're going to have to go back to what they want to do, anyways, which is pound the rock when they get into November and December. We talk about every week Derrick Henry. That's that's time for him to eat. Uh and yeah, this is a tough AFC battle. Two really good teams here, but they are but they are big underdogs here. You know, six-point underdogs on the road. Um, yeah, they've had a little extra rest, but I just don't like the Tennessee offensive line in terms of creating enough, uh, you know, enough holes and, and enough space here. I don't like the matchup of the Tennessee offensive line versus the Baltimore defensive line and their linebackers. So that's what makes me a little nervous here is, yeah, Derrick Henry is, you know, a big guy. and He can break tackles, but Baltimore really, is, you know, they tackle well. They, they, set the, they set the edges, they and they really fill in those gaps there. So I, I just don't think it's a good matchup being that they're underdogs, and uh, you just don't know if they're going to put uh, receiving one of the receiving backs in to try to do a hurry up if they get down. So it's a little hard to trust Eric Henry here. So he is contrarian. I think that he could potentially have one of his big games. Um, and obviously he's always their goal line back. But I, in, in general, I don't love the matchup here as, as Baltimore uh, can shut you down in pretty much the pass and run game. I just don't like how Tennessee's offensive line matches up here. Do you like do you like anyone in this game? I, I mean, I think you can take a look at Lamar Jackson. I know he's been super disappointing all year, but I think that you know Tennessee against quarterbacks, they do give up a lot of passing production. I think he can definitely run on them a lot. So this is the type of game. I mean, if he that where he could get you know close to a hundred rushing yards and still get a couple hundred passing yards, and and then really all he needs is you know a passing touchdown and in the Rushing touchdown, which he's he can get, so so I could see uh, I could see him having a good game. I mean, uh, obviously they're going to run the ball a lot as well, um, but I think that that you can pass the ball even easier on Tennessee than running the ball against them. So um, so yeah, I could see I could see uh, Jackson having a good game here. Um, they're 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 pretty big favorites and pretty high uh, implied total, so he could be a sneaky play this week. And if you want to pair him with someone, I'd probably go with Mark Andrews. You would just pay up to the most expensive tight end on the slate. And, uh, you know, Tennessee's pretty weak against tight ends, So he could he could definitely type a game where Andrews can get one or two touchdowns. And uh, that would be a nice, nice pairing there with uh, Jackson getting the rushing yards and throwing touchdowns to Andrews
0: here. Yes, it would. I may get uh, at least one lineup with Marquise Brown here, too, because they keep trying to hit him deep. And like you said, the way to beat the Titans is certainly through the air. They're 28th on the season in that department. So I like Marquise Brown here as well. Yeah, He's been frustrating, but eventually he is going to catch one of
1: those deep balls, <laughs> you yes. know. So, and it's just and sometimes it happens when you least expect it, but yeah, we've exactly. been waiting for that all, all year. And the guy is he's explosive, so uh, it is a good matchup at home, uh, where they're favored. So, I can see Marquis Brown, yeah, being a good GPP contrary play
0: here. Game five on the slate, Shane, is Philly against Cleveland, Cleveland, the three point home favorite here over under 47 and a half. Um, Eagles coming off a real disappointing loss to the Giants here so what's your breakdown on this one
1: yeah you know the Eagles I did think they were going to do a lot better against the Giants Uh, I know Carson Wentz has looked kind of iffy but I just think that the Eagles offense is getting a lot healthier um and I think that they will bounce back here I don't think they're as bad as they played last last week I think they're still a decent team and I still like them in this division even though the division's horrible and Philly looks horrible too but um I think Miles Sanders makes a huge difference, and I know he didn't have a blow-up game last week, uh, but the fact that they were down big in that game, he still got 15 carries for 85 yards against a pretty tough run defense. I could see him getting more involved in the passing game as well with screen passes here. So Miles Sanders just looks good every time he catches the ball. He looks like he's ready to break a big one. Uh, it was just kind of a fluke that, uh, you know, Uh, Boston Scott was just spelling him for that one series, and Boston Scott ended up breaking a long run. And then Corey Clement got, like, a one carry for a touchdown as well. But I I don't think that was, like, designed. They weren't like, let's take Miles Sanders out if we're going to score a touchdown. So, again, I could see touchdown upside here for Miles Sanders, and, you know, he's the type of guy that could get over 100 rushing yards and do some work in the passing game i know cleveland's pretty tough uh pretty tough matchup here uh but i think the philly offensive line is you know they're healthier than what they were earlier in the year and miles sanders is a really good back that is uh you know he can do good against tough matchups he's proven that this year um so i think that now it's a second uh, second game back uh you want to protect carson wentz as he's looked very turnover prone and really he looks kind of disoriented in the pocket at times, holding the ball too long. So they're going to be a heavy dose of Miles Sanders here. Um, looks like the weather, I think, is going to be okay in Cleveland. It shouldn't be because they've had a lot of wind storms and stuff up there for some reason. Uh, so, yeah, I think I can see Miles Sanders looking good. Other guys I like on Philly – I think Jalen Rager looks really good for a rookie, and I think he's just going to get more and more targets. So if you just want like a, a GPP guy that's super low-owned, he's a big playmaker. So I could see him, uh, some of these uh, Cleveland secondaries, pretty bad in terms of coverage. So he could beat them for a big play. I could see that happening. And then you could look at Dallas Goddard. He's really cheap on DraftKings at 3,800 um, for a guy that's also a big part of this offense. And I know he didn't have a blow-up game, but he's getting consistent targets and. Another good matchup against Cleveland here or against tight ends. So I like Dallas Goddard uh, for the Philly side. Um, And then when we get to the Cleveland side, uh, I think Nick Chubb is in play. I know he kind of splits with uh, Kareem Hunt, but Nick Chubb is just so explosive and so good in the run game. Cleveland is favored at home in this game. So if they get up, I think there's going to be a heavy dose of Nick Chubb here. Um, and I don't think he's going to be running out of bounds at the one yard line this game, so which is weird. I'm not sure really why he did, did that, because they would have been up by like 10 points at that point. I don't think, you know, but I guess they just wanted to run the clock out. Uh, so I like Nick Chubb here as well. Uh, he's pretty expensive. And I know he's splitting work, but I think he's still in a good spot. Philly's decent against the run, but I think you can still definitely run on them more than in the past and then the other guys that are kind of under the radar for Cleveland would be like Jarvis Landry hasn't had a big game since Odell Beckham is out but he's in a good matchup in this in, in the slot here uh, you know against uh, you know against a pretty uh, weak secondary in Philadelphia and then you got also Austin Hooper is back and he should get quite a bit of passes as well and he's pretty cheap um, and you know he, he's a guy that could have a big game here as well so yeah it's a, it, there's some decent plays in this game but overall it looks like a not a super high scoring game.
0: Yeah, I think this one could get a little bit ugly and be muddied up by some of these timeshares, really. I mean, the I I like the spot for Chubb, but you know, the split carries, like you mentioned, last week he and Hunt both had nineteen carries. So that's a little bit challenging because their prices are pretty significant. Okay. They're not they're not cheap. And then you mentioned Dallas Goddard, good matchup for the Philly tight ends, but you know, Rogers is right there. He got four catches last week for sixty yards. So if they're gonna split it, a la Ertz and Goddard between Goddard and Rodgers, you know, you may not get that ceiling game. Uh, the one guy I think I like the best that you mentioned is Hooper. Uh, he, You know, it's a number four matchup against tight ends on paper. And I think we should just ignore what happened last week in that weather game where it was low volume passing by the Browns. So I think you could go to Hooper, and we're certainly searching for that on this slate is is a viable tight end. So I think he fits the bill there. All right, Shane, game number six is Cincinnati against the Washington football team. Uh, no line currently available. On, the, I want to ask you about the Cincinnati running game to start with with Giovanni Bernard because right now it looks like Mixon's going to be out. We are recording this on Thursday. And, uh, you know, Bernard flopped a little bit last week as as chalk. I'm ready to go back to him, though, because it's a good matchup on paper here. And if you looked at what your boy DeAndre Swift did, to Washington last week, you know he did a lot of his production uh, catching balls out of the backfield. He caught five for sixty-eight for a touchdown, and we know that's Gio- Giovanni Bernard's real specialty. So, I like him here in a bounce-back spot at a pretty reasonable price.
1: Yeah, I mean I could definitely see Burrow checking down if he's smart because you know that's a tough pass rush that they uh, that Washington has. So definitely checking down to Giovanni Bernard and getting him uh, one-on-one with these linebackers uh, for Washington. Is a good idea because yeah, DeAndre Swift was getting in open space and really making guys miss, which Giovanni Bernard for a veteran guy has a similar type skill set. Um yeah, and they should be able to open up some some lanes in the in the running game as well. Washington's decent against the run, but they're not completely shut down. Um so yeah, compared to the matchup last week against uh Pittsburgh, when Pittsburgh is just you know, they have really fast, a lot of fast, you know, linebackers that can cover you and they're just really tough in terms of the run blitzes that they throw at you. Uh Giovanni Bernard should be in a better position here to 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 have some production, hopefully on the run game and and the passing game. Yeah. I mean, because he yeah, targeted seven times last week, but he wasn't able to do anything with it. If he gets a similar amount of targets this week, he should have a lot more production in terms of catches and yards. So um, yeah so he, he should have a uh, you know a couple of weeks ago against Tennessee he had a great game so yeah I think that he's a he's in a good spot to have another big game there um, and then I think uh, Tyler Boyd this looks like a pretty good spot for him in the slot against Washington that's probably one of their weaker spots for their for their secondary as their outside corners play pretty good so I think Tyler Boyd could be another guy that's Heavily targeted in this game from Burrow and be a good good guy that can help move the chains for Cincinnati. And Tyler Boyd's been pretty good all year. Um, he's went up against some tough matchups lately, but he's, he's a solid wide receiver and one of the favorite targets there. And that's the best way to attack uh, Washington here. Uh, and then over on the Washington side, I, you know, the running backs are in place. Cincinnati's pretty weak against the run. Yes. Um, Wash- Washington wants to use these running backs. I mean, with Alex Smith at quarterback, they're not just going to be, uh, you know, they don't need to be just slinging the ball all, all over the place. I mean, I know that they they passed a lot last week, and they were pretty successful against the Lions. They they made a good comeback there. But I think you want to attack Cincinnati definitely uh, on the run run game here. Uh, So if you think that uh, Cincinnati uh, or if Washington's going to win this game, they're slight favorites, like one-point favorites, then I think Antonio Gibson's good. Um, If you you think that uh, Cincinnati's going to get a lead on them and they're running behind, then McKissick on – Specifically, PPR sites, you know, like DraftKings, Bowl PPR. McKissick's just awesome in the in the passing game and uh, breaking tackles. And for a little guy, he's strong and elusive. Uh, he just looked awesome. And of course, I talked about this last week. I mean, Alex Smith is the checkdown master, man. So he he has no problem throwing to those guys. Uh, so, and I think that uh, I like Terry McLaurin again this week. He's going to be on William Jackson, who's a pretty good corner, though. Uh, for Cincinnati so but I think Terry McLaurin can still beat William Jackson here uh, and Terry McLaurin just looks so fast and explosive in terms of the run after the catch he's the number one wide receiver he has like 400 yards run after the catch this year which is impressive so even with those check downs he can still get it done uh, with the run after the catch ability for Terry McLaurin so I could see him having a good game here as well so um, being that there's not a ton of great receivers on the slate um, so yeah those Washington guys are are in play as well um, and then, like you said, Cincinnati, definitely Gio Bernard, and I like Tyler Boyd as well.
0: Excellent. Yeah. On the Washington side, for me, I am looking at both of those running backs. The one hesitation, again, is that Washington plays on Thanksgiving. So do they limit Gibson a little bit? Uh, you know, McKissick doesn't get a lot of carries. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant there. I, I prefer Bernard on the other side. And then with the pass catchers, McC- uh Terry McLaurin certainly in play for me. And then Cam Sims, uh, ascending player here, only 3,300 on DraftKings. In the last two games, he's caught seven balls for 164 yards. So nice value play there against that Cincinnati pass defense. We saw uh, Pittsburgh just shred them every which way last week. So you could go there for some lower ownership. All right, Shane, next game here involves your Detroit Lions. So before we get into it, perfect time to mention – social media you can follow shane on twitter at det sports shane he is the detroit sportsman. you can follow me at language olympic our coach is available at j-o-e-s-a-r-v-a-d-i and you can check in with all of us at dfs coach talk uh, and oh by the way that's that's a perfect place to go for um signing up for that uh, terrific membership offer with us and bet us you can find the link there right on twitter at dfs coach talk all right shane lions and panthers uh big question marks so give us the injury report here on stafford and mr kenny galladay
1: yeah so stafford got his got his thumb uh you know got it sacked and his, i think his thumb got caught up underneath there or something once the guy was sacking him uh it, so he has some ligament damage like minor ligament damage in his thumb but he played the rest of the game and he was he was dropping really accurate passes I and mean, he was playing really good in that game um so i think that uh, stafford is uh, you know he didn't practice uh, on wednesday but he'll he'll be in there practicing in a limited fashion the rest of the week they're just kind of trying to load manage him and he'll be he'll be in play here and i think actually he's kind of a sneaky play uh, against carolina he could he could have a good game here um so i think stafford's in, in full play here and it looks like he's going to get Galladay back Galladay's practicing now um, so I think just the fact that um, you have the emergence they're finally giving DeAndre Swift the ball and then you have Stafford playing good you know as long as his thumb's holding up and then you add that with Galladay and still having Marvin Jones and and the Lions offense is about to take off here is what, what it looks like anyways um, they finally gave I mean the big news is they finally gave they, they finally announced DeAndre Swift as the starter So that was a big deal. It's like they talked to Adrian Peterson and said, hey, you know, the old guy, you're going to have to take the back seat here, which I think he's fine with that. So Swift is obviously the most talented, and he's one of the most versatile uh, running backs that I've seen in terms of being able to be power between the tackles, be able to break tackles, to be quick in short space, to have long, you know, pretty good speed, and be able to catch the ball. He's one of the most versatile backs, so I can see why the Lions took him in the second round over guys like Jonathan Taylor that I thought – at the time looked like a better pick and now at this point john swift's looking like one of the best overall running backs so he's a true three down back he can do everything um so he yeah they're going to give him more carries i know that the lions play on thanksgiving but i think he's still going to get a full workload and he's still too cheap. He's not priced like a like a like a workhorse running back here. And uh, he's so he's gonna he's gonna get a lot of work and a great matchup against Carolina. Like like I had mentioned this year, I think the Lions' offensive line is pretty underrated. They're decent run and pass protection here. Uh, so yeah, look for DeAndre Swift to have a big game here, and look for also Stafford to have a big game. Um, and I don't know how good Galladay is going to do his first game back, but I know when he's on the field, he frees up space for everyone else because he's such a threat. Um, in the red zone, and such a deep threat. So, that opens up everything for this Lions offense. And I'm actually surprised that they're underdogs by like one and a half points because I don't even know if Bridgewater's playing. So, on the Carolina side, I mean, the practice reports Bridgewater's going to try to go, but then I heard saw reports that he was limping or something like that. He has a knee injury. So, they would, you know, so they might have a backup quarterback in there. Um, this looks like another Mike Davis week. Now, they did finally price up Mike Davis to a more a little more expensive price but against the lions they had they, they haven't been able to stop anyone in the run game so it might be a game where mike davis finally gets the work done on the ground uh mike davis has been a little disappointing in terms of cat pass catching since early in the year where he cut catch he's been catching a ton of passes and also if he has a backup uh quarterback you don't know what type of work he's going to get for checkdowns too um so mike davis is in play i'm just not 100 sure on him um i think the lions could actually be up in uh Mike Davis just doesn't seem to be getting a lot of pe- uh, catches lately, but he can certainly get there against this Lions defense. Um, and then DJ Moore, I think he's he's set up for a pretty good game here, really any of the Carolina receivers, but I think DJ Moore specifically his his skill set in terms of run after the catch and big play ability, the Lions don't match up well uh, against him in the secondary. So I can see him definitely getting wide open. So again, you still have to look at is Bridgewater playing or is it, uh, is it, is it, P.J. Walker, is that his name, the, right. the backup? Yeah, so we'll, we'll look. So you have to look at the Bridgewater news. That's going to have a lot to do with this, and I can see this line is probably going to end up moving, um, but I, th- I think that the Lions are actually, they're on the road. Carolina's been impressive in terms of how young the team is, how well they played, but I think the Lions are peaking right now, and uh, with all their weapons back, the Lions' offense is going to roll, and the defense is just going to play slightly better, which is all they need to do. I know the defense has been horrible. They just need to play a little better because I think Stafford and the Lions are going to put up a ton of points on Carolina.
0: Yeah, I hope that Stafford and Galladay and play so we get these offenses at near normal strength and we can kind of predict the game flow a little bit better with more confidence. And if so, the guy I am going to zero in on is your boy Mike Davis uh, in that great matchup. And, you know, I know that he has disappointed here recently and he had a bit of a down week Last week, as a chalk value play against Tampa, but that's a terrific run defense. And he got hurt in the middle of the game. He hurt his hand, so he was out for a, a while. I didn't think he was going to come back, and you know he got back and he he did okay, uh, given the fact that he missed that much time against a tough run defense. So I think he's going to bounce back here, and we know how how high his ceiling can be catching passes. And look what look at what McKissick did last week against Detroit. I mean, you mentioned Alice, Alex Chick, uh, Alex Smith checking it down to him. He targeted mm-hmm. him 15 times, and mm-hmm. McKissick caught seven for 43. So, uh, I, I mean, Davis can have a um, – he doesn't need 15 targets to smash value, and I, I think he's in a good spot here. So I'm going to get some Mike Davis for sure. All right, Shane, the next game is interesting because it's the 0-9 Jets against the 2-7 Chargers. And, you know, normally you don't see a two and seven team favored by eight and a half points. But that's what we have here on BetUS in a total of of 47. You know, Chargers have really lost some uh, tough games here, some close ones. So a great spot here against this terrible Jets defense. So we have some exposure to the Chargers offense.
1: Yeah, I think you almost almost had to get some exposure. This is looking like a blatant mismatch. And, you know, it's kind of interesting how the Chargers have given up big leads this year. And lost a lot of close games, and they've played. They've been a pretty good team for whatever they two and seven, like you said. But I think that's good because that means that they'll continue to keep passing and, and pour it on, uh, like we were talking about with what we we're hoping Pittsburgh may or may not do. So the fact that Herbert has a great matchup here, the way you attack the New York Jets is through the pass game. And Herbert, I love how he he runs the ball and he's great at passing. Um, and then the Jets, yeah, they they cut Pierre Desir, one of their corners, who was really bad. So they're bringing up more backups. And then their best corner, nickel corner, Brian Poole, who's been really good this year, is out now injured. So that means it's Keenan Allen time. It was already Keenan Allen time basically before that. But when you take their best corner out that was supposed to cover him, who was a good corner, and now you're gonna have a bunch of backups in there going against Keenan Allen. So this is an absolute disaster for the Jets, and it's and it's money time for the Chargers. So I could see I could see the Chargers having a huge ceiling game here. And that's what you need for DFS. So fire up, you know, Herbert and Keenan Allen. And I like Mike Williams, uh, just because the Jets can't cover a big, big, fast guy like that, you know, on the outside they give up a lot of big plays and Herbert is sure not shy taking deep shots to Mike Williams and targeting him in the red zone, his ability to go up and high point the ball is is really good. I mean, narrowly missed a touchdown uh, last week here. Um, so, yeah, so I think that, uh, Definitely can fire up this passing attack for the Chargers if you want to get some exposure at tight end. Hunter Henry should be in in play for a good game here as well. I don't think I'm going to go with the running game as much. You know, uh, you know, I know they have some some backup guys in there rotating them. The Jets are a little bit better, uh, you know, competitive against the uh, against the run, but you can really exploit them through the pass. So I don't see any reason really to target. Um, these backup, you know, uh, running backs for the Chargers. I, so Herbert can run, though, himself, which is nice. And then you can look at the Chargers defense uh, going. Uh, they're looking like a pretty good play as well. They can definitely do some damage here. And if they if they get up really big, Flacco will might get a little desperate and throw some pick sixes and those type of things. So, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, I'm hoping that the Chargers just pour it on and just keep passing so that they don't have any chance of the Jets coming back since they've
0: lost games and they just blow this team out. Um, that's what I'm looking for here. That's what they need to do. And yeah. if you remember, that's what the Chiefs did against the Jets. You know, there wasn't a lot of ownership that week of the of the Chiefs guys because everybody figured, oh, they're just going to blow them out. It's going to be spread out. But, I mean, Mahomes just lit them up. And you're right. The Chargers need to do that. They need to put the pedal to the metal and finish one off. So mm-hmm. if they follow that script, it, it really could pay off here with Herbert. Three uh, targets you mentioned. I like all those guys, all those spots. And the defense is in play for me as well. Jets are last in yardage, last in points. You know, I don't see that changing much here this week. If you were going to do a game stack here, I think the one guy I would look at is Crowder because the pass catchers on the outside haven't been very successful against the Chargers. You can get a little bit of production with the slot receiver, so Crowder would be the guy to run it back with there. All right, Shane, three games to go. Uh, The next one is Miami against Denver, and injury news here is that Drew Locke is questionable for Denver, so... You know Miami is looking like a potential defense that we could use, and they've got a running back now that we could potentially pair with that defense at a low price. It's Salvin Ahmed, who last week 21 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown. He's a very reasonable price, uh, and we saw what the what the Raiders did to the Broncos on the ground last week. So, what do you think about Ahmed and the Dolphins' defense here? Yeah, you notice that the Chargers just keep
1: getting more and more injuries to their defensive front. I talked about that the last Broncos, week.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah the Bronco, Broncos. I mean, I was still thinking about the Chargers blowing <laughs> out the Jets there. They, uh, yeah, so, uh, they, yeah, the Broncos have been really weak on their defensive front. Uh, you know, and they lost Jarrell Casey, one of their best defensive tackles. So then uh, the Raiders went out there and pounded the ball on him, as I talked about last week in the podcast. And Jacobs had a huge game. So Miami wants to do the same thing here. Um, they don't really want Tua to have to be running around, you know, slinging the ball everywhere. Um, and Denver's typically better against the pass right now. Uh, they're, they're, and they are they used to be good against their run, but now they're just so injury they're so decimated. So Ahmad looks great here, and he's, and he's super cheap. And he got over 20 carries last week for, like, what, 21 carries. So if he gets anywhere near 20 carries in this game against a pretty good matchup, Miami uh, looks like they're they're finally getting this offense going in terms of the running game and the run blocking. Um, so, yeah, they look really impressive. They're on the road, but they're favorites here. Um, so the game script looks good. You could actually play um, – this is the stack I was thinking about for running back defenses. You could play Ahmad and just play the Miami defense. Just You know, um, you could play them together. They kind of go hand in hand there if you want to stack the running back in the defense. So, yeah, that looks pretty good. Um, I think if you wanted to get a little exposure to the passing attack as Denver's not hasn't been, you know, great against wide receivers, you could you could play uh, Devontae Parker as well uh, since Preston Williams is out um he you know he looks like he's in a good spot here and then also uh Jakeen grant is like near minimal price and he's been getting targets and he's like a really fast you know explosive little quick athlete he's you know he's small but he's really strong um so he's a guy you can get at minimal price here as well and uh, you know i think he can certainly produce in, in the slot here um, for those over the over the middle
0: type passes um so he's another guy jakeem grant that i like for miami yeah nice breakdown Only other guy I want to mention as a GPP play is on the Broncos' side. And if Locke is healthy and you want to look at one of his receivers, um, Hamler got 10 targets last week, only caught four, but 50 yards. And he plays 61% of his routes in the slot. And we've been targeting Nick Needham all season for the Dolphins. So you could go with Hamler at only 3,600 on DraftKings there if if you want. All right, Packers and Colts. Shane, and this is in The total's at 51 and a half on BetUS. Right now, the Colts are one and a half point favorites, but the Colts have a very good defense, and I'm trying to figure out where all these points are going to come from. So what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, normally every week we're looking at,
1: you know, Aaron Rodgers is having a great year, and you're looking at, you know, we're going we're gonna to get exposure to Devontae Adams, you could say, well, they'd probably get Allen Lazard back in the mix, so the offense looks great, and then they have good running backs. But against Indianapolis, I mean, they shut down just about everything. So I think Green Bay is good enough to score against them and make it interesting, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to turn into a shootout here to a high-scoring game. It seems like more of a slower-paced, defensive, grinded-out game. Um, I think Green Bay's you know, defense can cause some issues in terms of the pass rush against you know, Phillip Rivers and, and, and limit them. Um, obviously, Indy's going to try to slow the game down and try to run the ball as well with, you know, they're going to throw out their committee of running backs. So, yeah, it's not a game I want to got a lot of exposure to. Um, probably not a lot of exposure on the Green Bay side because of the matchup here, um, but on the Indy side, I mean, I do like Michael Pittman coming off his career best game here. He's looking to be the number one target, and Green Bay's pretty weak in the secondary. Michael Pittman's a you know a big he's a big athlete, um, and I think he he's definitely a good playmaker. And then it comes back to the whole Jonathan Taylor discussion. The only reason I have to bring him up again this this week because. Sick of talking about him, really. I, it seems like every week I'm like, hey, Jonathan Taylor could have a breakout. This guy's really talented. And then they give Jordan Wilkins, like, you know, 18 carries. And <laughs> Naheem Hines catches a pass, couple touchdowns through the air. But Jonathan Taylor's price has finally went down to where it should be, like, super low. Um, so my point is, after they have a little bit of a little bit of a half-by week, they were playing on Thursday Night Football, Jonathan Taylor, if he was injured and they weren't really telling us, maybe he's more healthy now and they finally are ready to give him some work. This would be the time to do it um, in a tough defensive battle. You can run the ball up the middle between the tackles against Green Bay. They're pretty weak against the run, uh, but they've been decent against the pass. And that's the strength of your team is your offensive line with Indianapolis and these big running backs. So, you know, Jordan Wilkins has looked OK, but he's not great. I and mean, Jonathan Taylor still looks like the best early down back. So. Maybe they do all of a sudden give him carries and he's cheap and and he can get touchdowns as he's proved too. So that's why Jonathan Taylor's still in play, but I don't really love it because if he's disappointed many times this year and they haven't proven they want to give him the ball. But uh, I, there might be a game eventually where they give him a, a decent workload.
0: Yeah, you know this could be it, and I'm still kind of chuckling at your phrase there about you know. Indianapolis bringing out their committee of running backs and it, it yeah. really it, yeah. it is what it, yeah. it, it is what they do. It's like here comes our committee our, our three yeah. we've got three members in the committee and they're here to run the ball and catch it and yeah. uh, we don't really care if it affects fantasy or not in a, in a negative way. And there are, are unfortunately are a few teams in, in the NFL like that and Indianapolis right at the forefront. but you know the only little edge here that I think we might have is just really thinking about the schedule, and where we are in the season, the context of what was the last game, what game are we here, what's the next game. And if you go back to that Thursday night game, it was a Thursday night game. So they just played on Sunday and Naheem Hines only had like four touches. And then on that Thursday night game, it was his birthday, and they featured him on short rest. And so now we've got ten days of rest. And so maybe this is finally the time that Jordan Wilkins, uh sorry, that that Jonathan Taylor gets the gets the lead. So I like it here as a as a GPP play because we can't trust it. And I certainly like some of these other guys that we've mentioned on DraftKings in that same price range. You know, Bernard uh, Harris, potentially. So he's definitely not going to be in my first lineup, but I could see uh, I could see him working on in GPP for sure. All right, Shane, before we get to the last game, uh, just want to mention a quick request here. If our listeners are enjoying this free podcast. We certainly would appreciate it if you're on YouTube, if you'd give us the like uh, and then the subscribe, hit that button, hit the uh, alert button. So, you know, when these podcasts post, certainly appreciate that. And then wherever you're listening, uh, you know, Spotify, iTunes, if you could give us the the five star positive reviews, we're going to do a drawing at the end of November and give out a free month membership to somebody who uh, gives us the, you know, becomes a subscriber on one of those outlets during the month of November. So certainly appreciate everybody's support there. All right, Shane, last game here, and it's very intriguing because it's the Cowboys against the Vikings. Vikings are seven-point favorites at home, over under 48-and-a-half, and and finally a glimmer of hope for Dallas as Andy Dalton is back in the mix and they're rested here. So um, talk to me about this one. It's interesting with with the Cowboys – you know, having a good matchup on paper with the passing attack and Dalton back and then the Vikings with great matchups all over the place on paper. Yeah, I think
1: the Dallas defense is getting a little better. I mean, they were very competitive against Pittsburgh and almost knocked off that undefeated team. Maybe Pittsburgh overlooked them. But I think Dallas has proved they're still looking to play, even though they've been horrible. And technically, they're still in the division hunt here where they could still win the NFC East. That's the fun thing about the NFC East. So they could still win that division, which means they still have something to play for. And Minnesota is an ascending team that looks really hot right now. But Dallas still has talent. And if Andy Dalton could play decent and use all these weapons and get get their running game going, they might be competitive in this game. But they come into Minnesota as big, you know, seven-point underdogs, you know, Big underdogs here, so probably not getting a lot of Dallas exposure. On the Dallas side, though, if you want to stack this game a little bit, maybe get a little Minnesota exposure, bring it back. I do like Amari Cooper. Uh, Minnesota secondary is pretty weak. You know, he'll probably be going up a lot against Chris Jones, who's a young, inexperienced corner. Who's not good. So Amari Cooper against Chris Jones. I'll take that matchup. If Andy Dalton can stay clean, Minnesota doesn't have a uh, intimidating pass rush. They don't have those guys and they don't have the Hunter and all those guys anymore. So um,
0: I could see unless they're uh, playing the Bears. They look good. against yeah, the Bears. Yeah, exactly. That's the think- Bears.
1: I know they have been playing better lately, but yeah, Yeah. Nick, yeah. Against Nick, uh, Nick Foles. Yeah. The Bears offensive line isn't great. So yeah, I mean, Dallas's offensive line is, you know, they've been pretty bad, but I think they can protect Andy Dalton enough where he's, they're probably going to be down and have to pass. So that's why I like Amari Cooper here in a good matchup in terms of being able to rack up a ton of catches and finally have a good game. Um, I'm having a hard time getting away from Dalvin cook, even as a super expensive price. And that's going to be a big decision. I think he's going to be pretty chalky. But it does affect your lineup construction when you have to pay, you know, ten thousand five hundred on FanDuel or nine thousand on DK. Um, but you just need him to get like about around thirty fantasy points or more. And for most running backs, that sounds <laughs> just like, give me thirty. Yeah, that seems like a, a tall order. But he's proven he's done has done it in similar type right. of matchups. And they're in Minnesota's proven that they have no issue giving him a ton of carries. So I know when we were talking, you were concerned about the workload and, you know, giving them that many carries, but I don't know. They don't really seem to care about the workload that much. I mean, I know they can throw Madison in there, but I think, you know, Cook's probably not going to get 30 carries, but he can, he can uh, definitely do some work in the passing game. And he really only needs somewhere around 25 carries, which I think they don't have any issue doing that if they're, if they're up big here. Um, and he, he is pretty much their offense. Now on the other side of, I, I mean, I mean, the other hand, they obviously have Thelin and Jefferson great uh great wide receivers and good matchups here as well so you can definitely take a look at one of those guys it seems like Thielen's a little more consistent veteran where jefferson is more of a boomer bust big play upside type guy but jefferson was playing good against the bears it was a super competitive game really tough defense if he can play that good against the bears i mean how do you think he's going to do against dallas it's just a matter of if they are they going to have to pass is the game even going to be competitive so again i pretty much like delvin cook and then if you want to bring if you, if you can pay up for him you're going to have to get some value guys still in your lineup as a result of paying up for him but i think it's worth it cuz he's one of the only guys that looks like he has a good chance at 30 plus fantasy points on this entire slate and that's that's what i'm concerned about is he, he might be necessary chalk here Um, And then, like I said, I like Mari Cooper on the other side. Uh, Yeah, other than that, yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting for Minnesota. I'm curious to see if Dallas can compete with them. But Minnesota is a hot team right now, so they they are really good.
0: Yeah, I see your interest in Cook. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, I'm sort of torn because he did have 30 carries against Chicago, and they really wrapped him up. And so it's got to take a lot out of him on that Monday night game. Uh, So to turn it around here and expect – Similar workload, I think, would be challenging. On the other hand, you know, he doesn't need 30 carries to smash against the Cowboys. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if it's towards the end of the third quarter, he already has 150 yards and two scores because he broke two long ones. Uh, So then he's hit that value. So um, it it is going to be a tough decision. I was hoping that we could get Madison at a cheap price and that he'd get a few more carries finally in this primo matchup, but he's really expensive. So uh, I may fade that backfield, You know, maybe get some exposure to one of those receivers, um, or get one of these Cowboys guys. I do like Cooper. You could also go with Lamb. Good prices on DraftKings, um, and I think they should be much more productive here with Dalton under center. All right, I want to uh, mention this membership thing here one more time before we wrap up. So if folks want to get that membership all winter and get our lineups, every slate in all of our sports, just go to betus.com.pa. Make your first deposit there, 149. Use the promo code Talk, all one word, and then we'll send you an email and get you into our Discord. We give out our lineups about 45 minutes before kickoff on Sunday. And again, it's the full FanDuel lineups, cash, GPP, the coach's clipboard on DraftKings with – core plays and pivots. So we'd love to have you. Uh, again, if you could hit the like button and the subscribe button on YouTube, that would be much appreciated. Uh, any final thoughts here, Shane?
1: No, it's gonna it's gonna be exciting. You know, for people that sign up for that promotion, they'll be able to get in into the NFL action. And then we're going to go right into NFL playoffs and we're only really only a month away from NBA, which we're going to have, you know, seven days a week, you know, going to be cranking out the NBA and having a huge edge there as well. So and we're about to go on a, a nice run here in NFL. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's exciting. Uh, definitely, you know, jump in there, go to DFSCoachTalk.com, you'll sign up for that and get in on the action because, um, you know, we, we have a lot of good things going on here. And it's a great community to be in to, in terms of improving your your you know value as a DFS
0: player. Absolutely and you know the thing I love about it also is it's the long-term membership and that's what we want is the long-term commitment to helping folks have profitability here. It's not come in for one week and win a GPP. We we teach you how to win consistently long-term playing heavy cash games, single entry GPPs. We have a um we have a podcast for members only where we talk about that strategy, you know, it's what coach preaches time and time again. So We've got members who are really taking advantage of it and, and changing their approach to contest selection. And if you come with us all the way until April, April 1st, you're going to hear us giving you feedback on that throughout the winter in every sport. So certainly invite you in. We'd love to have you join the family. So that's going to do it for today. Uh, great work, Shane. Uh, on behalf of Shane Caldwell and the rest of the DFS Coach Talk team, I'm Andrew Hanson. Thank you so much for joining us. And be sure to tune in with us this weekend as we give uh, four more podcasts position by position to get ready for the main slate on Sunday and then the Sunday night and Monday night primetime show. So look forward to seeing you on those podcasts as we look to crush it in DFS.